0: Hey, good morning, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad that you're able to tune in this morning, and we pray that the message has been encouraging thus far through the worship, um, through the words that you have heard, and we pray that your faith is being built in this season of your life, and today we're going to be wrapping up our series that we've been in whenever necessary. Uh, This series has been one that has been exciting for me. It's been encouraging to my faith. It's been challenging to look at Jesus and everything that he has been saying, Everything that he has been doing. And so I encourage you, if you haven't heard these sermons, to go back a few weeks to the beginning of the year, which is when we started this series. Go back to those sermons and check them out. Listen to them. Sit down, open your Bible, look at those scriptures, and dissect them for yourself so you can get a grasp of what it is that Jesus has been communicating. And so, here, what I want you to realize is today, as we look at this, what I want to speak to you on is a title, a message that I have have entitled The Time Is Now. Because what I believe is that the time is now for us as the church to be about the Father's business in such a big way. As we wrap up this series, my prayer is that you have been encouraged as you've looked at the life of Jesus and all of Jesus' encounters. But more importantly, my hope is that you have been desirous to be more like Christ. Because here's the thing, and I've said this before. If you are only learning about Jesus, but you are not actually becoming more like him, there's a disconnect. The Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. And we say this weekly that we engage people where they are, building faith in Christ. And so the goal, the whole reason why we're streaming every Sunday morning is because we want to engage you where you are. We want to engage you. We want to be where you are. You're in your living room, you're driving, wherever it is, we want to engage you. But the purpose of our engagement is what? The purpose is for your faith to be built. And so what that means is that your faith is going to grow in our Savior. Your faith is going to grow in Christ. But as your faith grows, your living should be changed. The way that you serve God, the way that you follow God should be changed. See, and now is a time, and I want you to think about this, now is a time that we should be seeing and seeking opportunities to share the message of the gospel that brings peace now and hope for the future. You see, the message of the gospel brings peace at this very moment. Wherever people are, whatever people are going through. I mean, right now, as you see, and you guys see this, you watch stuff, and you see the death tolls that are rising and the cases of corona that are rising. Not just that. You look at the the stock market that is is doing really bad. You look at unemployment that is at an all-time high. Man, those are some things that can really shake you to your core, can rock you in a big way. But here is the beauty of the gospel. Gospel is that Jesus Christ himself, Jesus himself brings you peace right now. He wants to walk with you wherever you are. He wants to walk with you no matter what you're facing, no matter what you are going through. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to experience his love, his power, and above all, he wants to bring you peace. But not only does he want to give you peace now, he wants to give you hope for the future. And when I say future, I'm not just talking about next week, next year. I'm not just talking about when things get better, when the economy makes it back, when sickness is not so bad with it. No, no. I'm talking about the future being eternal. And so here's what I want you to think about. The time is now. Tomorrow is not promised to anyone, and we should live with that urgency. The time is now. Tomorrow is not promised to anyone, and we should live with that type of urgency. If you have your Bible, if you would, open it to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be reading there this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I want you to think about that. Right now, we should be living with urgency. Why? Because tomorrow is not guaranteed. What we have learned in this time, and I said this a few weeks back, is that we have come into direct experience with our mortality we are understanding that we will not live forever. We will not be on this earth forever. We won't experience, oh, come on now. We won't experience the the eternal life in this life. We're never going to drink from the fountain of youth somewhere. And like I said a few weeks back, listen, no matter what they find, no matter what, what they what they create, what they come up with for treatment for the coronavirus or whatever other thing out there, guess what? We are all going to die. That is the reason why you and I must live with urgency. And so I hope you've had time to turn to your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And this is what it says here. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Verse 2 says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, Fulfill your ministry. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you right now. We humble our hearts before you and we pray God that you would speak to us today. Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. Give me the ability to communicate your truth with boldness and with clarity. And Lord, above everything, I pray that our lives would be changed from glory to glory as we look into your word that transforms our lives. Father, remove distractions. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. I hope you said amen at home. The first thing I want you to uh, think about this morning is urgency develops in us as we keep eternity in mind. Urgency develops in us as we keep eternity in mind. The Apostle Paul is closing up this second letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. And so just to give you a little bit of context, not too much here, but his son Timothy in the faith has been charged with a church. I believe he's in Ephesus at this point, and he is there to establish eldership and leadership, and he is really the pastor that is there. Timothy is kind of like a long-term, interim pastor. And as he's there and he is dealing with the people in this congregation, Paul has been encouraging him through the first letter and the second letter. And these letters are known, along with Titus, as the pastoral epistles. Because they show us how it is the church is supposed to operate, but they also give us a little bit of clarity as to how the elders and the leadership of the church are supposed to operate. And so the Apostle Paul ends his this this, um, particular letter to Timothy with this exhortation. And he starts it off in verse 1. Look at it. It says, I charge you. That's a huge word. It is a command. It is a military term. He's saying, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. And so what he does is he immediately brings into focus. The, the the reality of eternity and that everything that Paul has been communicating and everything that Paul has been living, it has been with a purpose and that is to help Timothy build the church, build the church on the solid rock of Jesus and to lead the church faithfully. And so he has this in him to, to do this, but he also wants Timothy to understand. Timothy, this isn't about being motivated by X, Y, and Z. Your motivation needs to be that you want to bring glory and honor to God. In other words, your motivation needs to be eternal. You have to keep eternity in mind. The urgency that needs to be in your heart needs to be there because you realize one day you are going to stand before the Lord. I want to tell you something. You are going to stand before the Lord. I hope you hear me. This morning, I hope you're listening. You are going to stand before God, and you are going to give an account for your life. Judgment is a real thing that everybody will experience. Some of us who are believers, if you're a believer today, you are going to experience judgment with a different type of judgment. But here's what I want you to know. Nonetheless, you're going to stand before God in judgment. And so it becomes extremely important for us that we are living for the glory of God, that we are living for his glory, that we are doing things with eternity in mind. That will create urgency when it comes to what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to be living. The apostle Paul closes this. And what I want you to realize is two things. Here's two things that should motivate us. Number one is that we are gonna stand before God in judgment. But here's the other thing, and hear this. Every other person you know is gonna stand before God in judgment. Every other person you know is going to stand before God in judgment. And so here's what should happen. When you have the understanding that you are gonna stand before God eternally, you know what that should do? That should create a certain different type of urgency inside of you, the way that you live. As you listen through this series, you should know that part of you and I living for God's glory is us imitating and becoming more like Jesus. It's part of us becoming more like the Savior who died and rose again. It's part of us living like the Jesus who encountered all of these different people on this earth and he and he dealt with them in specific ways. As I said earlier, if we're not living for the glory of God, if we're not living for God's purposes, then we're, then there's a disconnect if we're hearing God's word. And so we're supposed to be, be becoming more like Jesus. The second thing is this, is that when you understand that all men are going to stand before God in judgment, you know what that means? Here's what that means for us. That means that we have to live with them differently. We should think of them in different ways. We realize that we engage them because what? Because we are concerned about their life. See, Paul was concerned about the life of his, of his son in the faith. He was concerned about the lives of all of those that, that, that Timothy was pastoring. Here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, we who will stand before God to be judged for what we've done in this earth, especially what we've done with the gospel, our desire, should be like the apostle. Can I read some words to you? If you have your Bible open, you can just look down a little bit in First Timothy chapter 4, and I want you to go to verse 6. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says this. It says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Listen to this. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Oh, that's so awesome. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy And what and what most writers about this or commentators on this text, what they believe clearly is that shortly after this, history proves that the apostle Paul was martyred for the faith. He knew his death was about to happen. He knew what was going to be going on in his life. And guess what? He knew his life was coming to an end. And what he did was he lived for the glory of God. And he was calling his son in the faith, Timothy, live for the glory of God. Live for the glory of God. Live not for yourself. Don't be docile. Don't be stagnant. Don't be indifferent. Be passionate about the mission that God has given you. Why? Because the Apostle Paul looked at one thing, the ultimate reality, the ultimate glory, which was that he was going to be crowned by the king of glory. I don't know about you, but that excites me. To think about the fact that I am going to experience a day when I come before God, and if I have been faithful, that's the question, If I have been faithful to what God has called me to do, guess what? I'll be crowned with glory. I'm rewarded for glory. But if I'm not living for God's glory, how can I expect to be rewarded for glory? The second thing that we see in the text is this, is that urgency is expressed when sharing God's word is a priority. Urgency is expressed when sharing God's word is a priority. We we understand that there has to be urgency because as I said, the time is now and no one is promised tomorrow. But urgency is expressed when sharing God's word is a priority. Look at the second thing the apostle Paul tells him. He says this, he tells him about the eternal things. And then in verse two, he says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Here's the thing. Sharing the gospel is one. Admittedly, it is one of the most challenging things we could ever do. To preach God's word is one of the most challenging things we can ever do. Why is it so challenging? Two reasons. Because there is spiritual warfare going on. It's really one reason, but there's two realities to this. The spiritual warfare that is going on, one of them is against you. Listen, the enemy does not want you to open your mouth. Hear me when I say this. The enemy does not want you to open your mouth. The enemy wants you to be consumed with fear. He wants you to be consumed with doubt. He wants you to be consumed with indifference. He wants you to feel like you are inadequate. Therefore, you should never share the gospel. That's what the enemy wants for you. So the enemy is waging a war against you. But the other person that the enemy is waging a war against is the person you're going to preach to. You know what he's, he's doing? He wants to make them deaf to what you're saying. He wants their ears to be shut up. Therefore, preaching the gospel is very difficult. It's not easy. But here's the thing I want you to realize is that no matter how difficult preaching the gospel is, you know what? It doesn't change the mandate to preach the gospel. And so for those of you that study the Bible, you're looking at this and you're like, well, wait a second. Am I called to preach like Timothy was? And I'm going to tell you, unless you're a pastor, no, you're not called to preach like Timothy was. However, every one of us is called to share God's word. Every one of us is called to share God's word with all of those who we encounter. So none of us is exempt from preaching the word as Timothy was. By now, I hope you understand this, that as we've looked at the life of Jesus, that sharing the gospel isn't some cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all endeavor. It's not. It's something that has to be spirit-led. It has to be um, spirit-empowered. It has to be scripturally rich. It has to be motivated by love. But here's what Paul said to Timothy. He said a couple of things, and I I don't want you to miss them. Because for our lives, it's very important. For us as pastors, for us as preachers, maybe some of you are listening to this, some of you that feel like you're called into ministry. Here's what I want you to get when you think about being called into ministry. And it is this, is that you being called into ministry means that you need to be a preacher of God's word, a proclaimer of God's word. If you're not a pastor, know that you should be ready at all times, just like a pastor should be, should be ready. What does it mean to be ready? As I thought about this word, it means to be on standby. And for some of you, you know, I I enjoy watching CrossFit. I I enjoy doing CrossFit. I haven't been doing it for a while. But, but whenever you watch one of the games or one of the activities that they do, they always do this, do, do something right before an event is starting. And they always say, stand by. And stand by is that moment where you know it's about to get real. Stand by is that moment where you know that all of your effort, everything that you put into this, it's about to get real because you are about to run hard and go hard and you're going to, you're going to give it all and you're going to put it out there. If you're a runner, ready, set. You're in a position where you are ready, set. And so what is Paul saying? He's saying, be ready, be in season. But the one idea that came to mind was this. It's about being on call. My brother, Orlando, he is on call all the time. He works in an apartment complex and he is a supervisor and so he has a lot of responsibility and he always has this little pager or whatever he's i don't mean, have pagers now but he's always he always knows there's certain days that he's on call and you know what that means that means that everything else in his day takes second fiddle it takes second place to him actually being able to jump up at a blink of an eye as soon as he gets a call as soon as he gets a text message as soon as he knows it's time for him to go get guess what? He realizes I got to go because I am on call. Church, you are supposed to be on call. All the time you are on call. Listen, for the gospel, your everything takes second fiddle. Your every situation takes second place. Because of what? Because you and I are on call. We have been called by God to represent him. We have been called by God to preach his gospel. We have been called by God to lead others into the faith. We have been called by God to live for his glory in opportune times, in season, and in inopportune times, out of season. No matter what, there's moments that, yeah, it's really cool to preach. Other times, not so much. We live in a day and age where it's hit or miss. Sometimes people want to hear the gospel. Sometimes people want to hear the message. In this very moment, there are people that want to hear the message. They're asking questions. Church, rise up. How does Paul tell us to rise up? He gives us three things, and he te- it's actually five things here, but three of them are the way we're supposed to do it, and the other ones are actually the disposition we should have. And so the first one is that we are supposed to convince. The second was we are to rebuke. The third one is we are to exhort. He tells Timothy, be ready, preach the word in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering, he tells him, and teaching. And so he tells him this convince. What does it mean to convince? If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down. It means to reprove, it means to be convincing, it means to present the truth clearly with conviction. In other words, when you are being convincing, you are not being mamby-pamby about what God's word says. You're not compromising what God's word says because somebody's a little sensitive, because it's not popular to do. Because Listen, here's the thing we got to realize. Sin is sin. Sin is what put Jesus on the cross. There's no white lies. Lying is lying. There's no kind of cheating. Cheating is cheating. There's no kind of adultery. Adultery is adultery. There's no kind of fornication. Fornication is fornication. There's no kind of homosexuality. Sexuality? no no it's homosexuality those things are sin against god and that needs to be clear through us as the church it doesn't mean we don't love listen i love every single person whether you're a liar whether you're a cheater whether you're an adulterer whether you're a fornicator whether you're a homosexual listen i love you our church loves you however we love you enough to tell you the truth We love you enough to let you know that those things that you love, that you do, that you enjoy, that you embrace as okay, those things that will put Jesus on the cross, those things are what caused him to have to die for us. Therefore, what do we have to do? You and I need to repent of our sin. We need to turn away from our sin. So when we come and we're having a conversation with someone, we need to be convincing, not scared, not doubtful, not prideful either. We need to be clear. This is what the truth is. It says to rebuke. What does rebuke mean? Rebuke is a hard term. It means to sharply admonish someone. It's to sharply admonish them against sin, to warn them of consequences, to call them to a response. See, as I'm here and I'm preaching to you and I'm sharing this message with you, I'm calling you to respond to Jesus. I'm calling you to live for Jesus. I'm telling you, you cannot live the way you want to live. You cannot live how you desire you have to live for God's glory. Sometimes, listen, when you're coming at someone and you're sharing the word with them, there are moments you need to call someone to the carpet. But let me say something. I think a lot of this sharp rebuke doesn't just have to do with outsiders. It has to do with insiders. Because you know what? Some of us inside the house, inside the church, part of the body, man, we, we're we some of the worst sinners sometimes. And we need to be rebuked for our own bad attitudes, for our own wrong and unrighteous behavior. And so I encourage you to convince, to rebuke as Paul did, and then also to exhort. What is exhort? That word exhort can also be changed, um, translated into encourage to encourage it means to plead with someone to urge them to action so when you rebuke someone you are calling them to action when you are encouraging someone you are urging them to action one of them is encouraging and pushing them along the way helping them in their faith helping them in their walk encouraging them to honor god the other one not so much the other one is more like come you need to turn from sin You see, what what, what rebuking and exhortation are is they're this beautiful balance to when you're trying to convince someone. Because some people are never gonna respond to rebuke, but they will respond to the convincing. They will respond to the encouraging. And so what does it mean? It means to plead with someone. See, there is severity in the rebuke. There is gentleness in the encouragement. And I said there was five things, and so there is long-suffering, and there is teaching. And here's the thing, our disposition when we are convincing... When we are rebuking. See, here's the thing. We hear rebuke and we're like, yes, I get to rebuke them. No, no, no. Hold on a second. You don't want to be harsh when you're rebuking someone. You don't want to be disrespectful when you're rebuking someone. You want to be what? You want to be filled with love and long-suffering. See, here's the thing. As you are about making disciples, as you're out there preaching the gospel, you want to know what happens. This is crazy. But, I mean, you know this because you've dealt with people who are what I would call knuckleheads. Hello. You like that word? knuckleheads people who don't want to hear what you have to say they don't want to hear the truth of what you are communicating they don't want to hear the message that you're sharing you know what that does that becomes frustrating and if you are not long-suffering you will fall into the temptation of coming at them the wrong way coming at them with frustration but here's the thing When you're convincing someone, when you're rebuking someone, when you're exhorting someone, when you're encouraging them, here's the thing that you want to do. You want to be teaching them. It's not just about making a point. It's about making a difference. Church, for those of you that are followers of Jesus, you should want to make a difference. God has put a gospel in you so that way you can make a difference. The third thing that the text communicates to us is that urgency is experienced as as the times we live in are understood. Urgency is experienced as the times we live in are understood. I want you to hear the rest of this exhortation that Paul gives to Timothy. He says, for the time, in verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. You know that time is not here, right? You know that time is here now. That time is going on right now, the time where people will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. In other words, people still want to hear preaching. They just want to hear it their way. See, people still want someone to open up a Bible and share some scripture with them. However, they don't want to be rebuked. They don't they they don't want to be called to the carpet for their living a lifestyle that doesn't glorify God. See, Paul was prophesying to Timothy and th- this was about the days in which Timothy would be encountering but also the days in which we live. They will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. But you be watchful of all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. I love this. He said, do the work of an evangelist. He didn't say be an evangelist. He said, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. If you're watching me today, I want you to know something. You have a ministry. You have a calling from God on your life. And you may not be called to be a pastor. You may not be called to be an elder. You may not be called to be a preacher in the, in the church or ecclesiastical sense, but you are called to be a disciple maker. You have gifts, you have talents, you have ministry. You should desire to fulfill that ministry. Urgency is experienced as the times we live in are understood. I don't know about you, but I've had moments where I I have awakened from sleep startled. And it's because I'm concerned about an appointment the next day or something to that effect. And what happens is I wake up and I'm like, oh my goodness, am I late? Did I miss it? There have been times that I've woken up on a Saturday thinking, man, I thought it was Sunday morning. I missed church. That's crazy, right? When you're the guy preaching, you miss church. That'd be terrible. That, but anyway, here's the thing. The thing is that when, when those moments happen, they wake you up. I hope when I read this text that it woke you up. I hope when I read this text that you realize, man, these are the days that we live in. The apostle lets Timothy know there is coming a time, hear me now, where most people, not just some people, most people will turn away from sound doctrine and teaching of scripture. That's happening in our days today. Like I said, there's plenty of people, they want to hear from the Bible. They just don't want to hear from the Bible what the Bible has to say about every single thing, or they don't want to hear about every single thing the Bible has to say the way the Bible has to say it. They don't want to hear the things that God says are abominations. They don't want to hear about things that God says you can't do. They don't want to hear about things that God says you shouldn't do. No, no, no. They want to hear what tickles their ears. They want to hear what allows them to check the box of spirituality off and they're okay with who they are. See, so being awakened to the, to the fact that we have been in the, in this time for many years is sobering. Hope that's sobering to you, that you realize that we are living in this time and we have been here for many years. But what it should do is it should create in us an urgency, an understanding that, listen, here's the, here's the thing. Either God is going to use your words to save people or God is going to use your words to judge people. Let that sink in for a moment. See, we don't stop preaching the gospel We continue to preach the gospel. We continue to let people know about the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. We continue to do those things in order that we are able to share this truth with everyone, as many people as we possibly can. That's what we do with the gospel. We share these truths. We do it without ceasing. No matter if people are going to listen or not. No matter if people are going to pay attention or not. That's not our point. Here's, here's our point. Our point is that we share the truth with this world. Because here's the thing. Everybody, I said this earlier, is going to stand before God in judgment. And when I stand before him in judgment, I want to make sure that I haven't not share the gospel with anyone that he's called me to, that I have shared the gospel with every person he's called me to share it with, because I want to make sure that I'm impacting these lives. We should be awakened to this reality. And so as I bring this message to a close here, uh, the the apostle Paul communicates with his son and he lets him know this is how you're supposed to live. These are the days that you're gonna live in. No matter what you should be, and I wanna repeat verse five to you. Look at it with me if you have it. But you be watchful in all things. Listen, church, we have to pay attention. If you're watching this, you have to pay attention. You have to be awake. You have to endure affliction. Listen, things are gonna get tough. People don't want you to preach the gospel. The enemy wants you to be silent. Endure the affliction that's going to come. I wish I could tell you it's going to get easier. It's not. Do the work of, of an evangelist is the next part of that verse. And what God is saying to us is this. is be messengers of hope in the midst of a hopeless world. Be messengers of truth in the midst of a world that is dying because of deception. And I say this with all sincerity. Be a messenger of truth in the midst of a world with a bunch of people who get up behind pulpits like this and they want to make you feel good instead of live for God's glory. They want to make you feel some kind of way rather than see you change for God's glory. Listen, I'm here to tell you, God wants you to turn your life to Him. God wants you to surrender to Him. God wants you to yield unto Him. God wants you to turn from your sin. God wants you to bow to him as the king of glory that he is. God wants your life to be turned toward him and away from the things of this world. Don't let anyone make you feel too good about yourself and the way that you're living when you know that you're living in sin to dishonor God. Today is that day. God wants to give you real hope, real happiness, real joy, and real peace that only comes from a relationship with him. And so today I exhort you, today I call you, repent, turn from your sin, turn to Jesus as Lord, as Savior. Bow to him and allow him to fill your heart with hope. Listen, I'm not telling you it's gonna be easy. But what I am telling you is that it will be the best decision you will ever make to turn to and serve the Lord of glory. My closing question that I want you to think about is this. Is there urgency in your heart to be a part of what God is doing in the earth? Is there urgency in your heart to be part of what God is doing in the earth? The time is now. If you're listening to this and you know Jesus, the time is now. You should be about the Father's business. I don't know what may have been holding you back, but I pray that today, that this day, that you decide you're not gonna be held back anymore, that you're not gonna let distancing, social distancing, that you're not gonna let anything hinder you from being the share of the gospel that God has called you to be. And listen, if you're listening today and you're not a follower of Jesus, now is the time. Today is the day. Stop living for yourself. Begin to live for God's glory. Let God use you for his glory. Be about the Father's business. Let me pray for us. Father, right now we humble ourselves before you. And we thank you so, so very much for this day and for the privilege that we have to hear your word. God, I've shared your word as you have shown it to me. I pray that you would speak to every one of the hearts of those who have heard And let them know if they need to turn from their sin, that they would turn to you. If they need to get in line with you in some area of their life, may they do that today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you fill each hearer in this place with an urgency in their heart to be about what you're doing in the earth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.